And we want to honor everybody watching us by live stream. Welcome. My favorite subject, the Holy Spirit. So buckle up, because I, I love this conversation. And uh, we're doing a series on the Holy Spirit. We'd love for you to share the stream. Uh, if you guys want to do that, we would really appreciate it. You can do more evangelism with your, little fing- with your index finger than most Christians do all year, just by hitting share the stream. So like us on Facebook, share the stream with your friends, subscribe to YouTube. We'd love to influence you as, in, with kingdom ways as best as possible. We also want you to be able to share this message with other people. And so we're going to talk about the Holy Spirit. How many knows life is rough? Anybody with me? Right? Muhammad Ali said everybody's got a plan until life punches them in the face. Right? And that's pretty much how it, how it goes, right? Life, life just out of nowhere. Broken systems, broken people, broken choices. But Jesus has made us a promise that differentiates us from everybody else. John 16, 33, he said, these things I've spoken to you. Probably the most beautiful book in all of the scriptures. They're all great. They're all wonderful. But if you had to give me one, it would be the Gospel of John. If, there was, if I had to pick one, I wouldn't want to pick just take any one, but it would have to be the Gospel of John. It's probably the most beautiful and most powerful um, book, in my opinion, as it relates to Jesus. I mean, all four of the Gospels are great. They each have a different angle on the message. But John's is whosoever. John's is universal. John's is spirit. John's is power, and John's is love. So I love John. So the, the, uh, in the book of John, chapter 16, Jesus has just spent three chapters explaining to them that he's leaving. And he's just spent three chapters telling them that he is going to give them the Holy Spirit. He's going to prepare a place for them. He's going to release the comforter to them. He's going to send them the parakletos. The Holy Spirit is going to come to them. And then at the end here, at the end, he's going to explain to them, and this is probably one of the biggest factors as to why we need the Holy Spirit, is he says this, These things I have told you that you may have peace. So I'm telling you this so that your life will flourish. So all of the past three chapters, I've just I've told you all that so that your life will flourish. Because in this world, you will have tribulation. It's restricted without options. In this world, you will be put in situations that are restricted and where you feel that you have no options. That's what he's telling us. He says, but be of good cheer because I have overcome this system. The Holy Spirit is given to us to impart to us the power of his kingdom. The Holy Spirit is given to us to manifest or make known in our lives the overcoming power of Jesus. Jesus is like, look, if you think you're going to get through this world by simply life application principles, you're kidding yourself. The church thinks that it can feed the believer life application principles, and those are great. I'm all in. Let's have some life application principles, right? But I, don't have, I can't even bring about the life application principles without the Holy Spirit. And this is what the Lord is telling us. I've overcome this system, this broken, fallen world. I have overcome it. The world that will affect you without restrictions or that will will harness you and leave you no options. Jesus said, you have options. And our options are the Holy Spirit. You have an option. When the world doesn't have options, the Christian has options. Amen. Come on. I have spoken to you that your life may flourish. Jesus has overcome the world. This word overcome is nikeo. It's where we get the word Nike or victory from, and it means a prevailing victory through battle. I have prevailed through battle, 
on your behalf to bring you victory. Isn't that crazy? And he's basically saying, my world has overcome this world. Because Jesus brought his world with him, right? He brought the kingdom with him. And the kingdom is the power and the only power through the Holy Spirit to overcome this world system. This is why Christians struggle. We're all going to go through stuff. We're all going to have to fight the good fight. We're all going to have to stand on the promises. We're all going to have to endure. We have to. This is how it works. But what the reason that we struggle more than we have to is we don't understand kingdom power. And we don't understand the Holy Spirit. And we don't know how to activate him and flourish in the life that he has come to bring us. We are in the world. We're not of it. Jesus is like, I've overcome this world. I've given them your word. Here he is again, John 17. He's praying for you. Doesn't have to, but he does it anyway. I've given them your word, and the world has hated them, for they are not of this world any more than I am. When you get born again, you're no longer of this world, Christian. You're, not, you're in the world, but you're not of it. The, you know, that's what happens. Like the church tries to teach people to be a better version of the world. We're not of this world. Why do you want to be a better version of this world? We're not of this place. We're of his kingdom. We're completely, we're an illuminated people. We're a transcendent people. We're a people who carry power. We're a people who carry truth and carry light and carry love. We carry these things. We're not a better version. We're of his world. So I've given you my, them with your word. This word word, is, and it, gets, it comes from the word anthology. You know what it means? Collection of flowers. Isn't that powerful? I've given them. A collection of your beauty. That's what he's saying. And the world has hated them because I have given them a collection, an anthology of your beauty. <laughs> Crazy, right? Jesus is saying my world is beautiful. Jesus is saying my kingdom is beautiful. And the world has hated them for they are not of this world any longer than I am. My prayer is not that they be taken out of the world. My prayer is that you protect them from the evil one. Why? Because we're in this world with a purpose, Christian. We're not in this world to just lay on a mattress and wait for Jesus to split the sky. We're in this world on a mission. He says, as the Father has sent me, so I send you. We have a purpose. They are not of this world. Set them apart with truth. Your word is truth. And as you have sent me into the world, here it is, so I send them. We are in a cosmos, but we are not of that cosmos. We are in a culture but we are not of that culture. We are of the kingdom culture. And the only way we bring the kingdom culture into this culture is with the Holy Spirit. It is the only way we bring the power of the kingdom. So the Holy Spirit's essential. This is my big point. <laughs> What's your point, Pastor? The Holy Spirit is essential. <laughs> I have given them your anthology. I've given them the beauty and the wonder from another place. I've given them the beauty and the wonder of your decrees, your mandates, and your instructions. I have set myself apart for them that they may be set apart. Jesus has set himself apart. That's, that's, a, that's insane. I don't even have time to touch that. The Holy Spirit, because once I do, I'm going to go off on it. And I'm going to try to stay right here. The Holy Spirit is the next level. You get born again, right? We receive his word. We receive his spirit. We receive that. So what happens is when we receive the Holy Spirit, it's not just about being born again. It's about living a life at another level. That's what the Holy Spirit's all about, living life at another level. I didn't say you wouldn't have hardship. I didn't say you wouldn't go through stuff. I didn't say it wouldn't be difficult. He just told us it's going to be difficult. But don't be afraid. You can overcome. Don't be afraid. Your life can flourish when everybody else's is going the wrong way. 
That's what he's telling us. Anybody want that? Yes. Come on. This is ours. The Holy Spirit is the next level. The Spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive. So we have someone whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him, has no perception of him, nor knows him, has no experiential knowledge. That's the word epignosis. The world is confused about the Holy Spirit because they don't even know one exists. They don't have any consciousness that there actually is the Holy Spirit. And if they do, they don't have any experiential knowledge of him. It's another, word, another thing. Not, <laughs> that's a whole other thing. I have to keep myself tight here because it's like impossible to talk about this subject in, in, in the amount of time that I have. He enables us to access. His promise to the Holy Spirit enables us to access, manifest, and overcome. He is the statement of our victory. The Holy Spirit is the statement of the Lord's victory on your life. That's what he is. He is a testimony that you belong to Jesus. He is the enabling power, the enabling person, and the enabling presence of the world to come. You might believe that. No one? No one believes that? Anybody out there, you all believe that? You believe that? Believe he believes it. All right. Jesus says, I will, I will send the Holy Spirit to you. I will not leave you orphans. I will come to you. The Spirit of God has come to us because he comes to us to testify, bear witness in our hearts that Jesus is real. You're not alone. He doesn't leave you alone in this world. Aren't you glad? You're not alone having to try to figure all this stuff out. You have the Holy Spirit. And you're like, well, why, why doesn't this stuff happen, Kevin? Why isn't this stuff happening? Because you do not access him. The well is full of water, and you got a bucket in your hand, and you need to drop the well. And then you need to drop the bucket. Then you need to pull on the rope, right, and pull the bucket up. So actually you have to do something. There actually might be some work involved. There might be some focus and some intention involved. This is how we manifest the Holy Spirit. He doesn't do it for you. You can't do it without him. He does it with you. If you don't partner, nothing's getting done. I tell this to Christians all the time. He's not going to work any harder than you. And I had a pastor send me an email. Well, Jesus isn't working at all. All the work is done. I'm like, really? Have you looked around? Right? The work of salvation is done. All we have to do is submit and surrender and receive. But in order to move forward, you have to do something. It requires something of you. And if you don't do it, you all have an inheritance. You can't manifest an inheritance unless you step into it. He's not just going to shower it out of you. You're not going to stand there. An inheritance is going to come. You have to have, you have not because you ask not. You have to do something. You have to partner with the Holy Spirit. It behooves you to learn how to do this. It behooves you to have an understanding that this is actually possible. And then it behooves you to actually engage and step into something that you have never stepped into before. We are not of this world. We need to learn how to operate in his world just as easily as we operate in this one. And that's the challenge. Because when you start operating in the realm of the spirit, it's unfamiliar territory. It's very, it's, it's different. It's almost like you're underwater. There's a dis, there, you're not oriented with everything. You're not sure what you're experiencing. But you have to learn that world. So that's why, because we're unfamiliar with that world, the Christian retreats from it. And we treat the Holy Spirit like he's a trinket. He's not a trinket. He's everything. I'm born of that world. I want to know everything I can about that world. His reality is greater than my reality. I want the greater reality. 
I'm not saying I'm perfect, but I'm trying to bring this stuff into my life. He said I can have it, and I want it. And you can too, but you have to, you have to learn to do what is uncomfortable to you. You have to do what, you, what is unfamiliar to you. You have to learn something that is not necessarily your cup of tea immediately, but it's Jesus' cup of tea. So we need to learn this. All right, so we're not, say with me, concerning the spiritual things. We are not to be ignorant. Right? You understand that? So here it tells us in 1 Corinthians, Paul's writing to this church at Corinth, and he's saying that concerning spiritual gifts, brothers and sisters, I would not have you ignorant. It's not even the word spiritual gifts. It's pneumatica. And it's saying concerning the spiritual world, concerning the spiritual atmosphere, he doesn't use the word aranos, which would be realm, but concerning the word pneumatica, all things pertaining to the Holy Spirit, that's the word he's using, concerning all things that pertain to the Holy Spirit, I would not have you ignorant. Ignorant doesn't mean you're stupid, it just means you don't know, right? And what the Bible is telling us is that we are no longer to remain ignorant. We are to move from unknowing into knowing. The Lord expects us to understand this. Understand that? You need to look at yourself in the mirror and say, I need to, I need to understand this. Why? Because the Lord expects me to understand it. Nicodemus, one of my favorite stories, comes to Jesus and starts giving him this speech about, you know, uh, we know you're from God. No one can do what you're doing. Jesus starts talking to him about being born again. And Nicodemus didn't know what he was talking about. And he said, are you a teacher of Israel? And you don't understand this. There is an accountability attached to knowledge. We are accountable to know. Jesus expected this guy to know, and he didn't. He said, are you teaching Israel? Israel is princes and princesses. Are you teaching my princes and my princesses, and you don't have a clue about spiritual things? If I speak to you in a manner of earthly things and you don't understand, how in the world will you even perceive when I take you to the higher realm? Yeah. He not only wanted Nicodemus to understand it, he wanted to take him actually higher and show him great and mighty things that he knew not of. We settle for the common when we're called uncommon. We settle for the ordinary when we're called extraordinary. It's true. He never, the only one that makes you ordinary is you. The only one that makes you average is you. The only one that keeps you from destiny is you. And an unwillingness to do the things, partner with, clean out the closets, whatever it takes to get where you need to go. Jesus isn't saying no to you. He's saying yes. If it's you, Lord, bid me to come. He's like, right this way. Boop, 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 come on. There are diversities of gifts with the same spirit. There are differences of ministry. So let's say this with me. The Holy Spirit. Come on. Holy Spirit gives gifts. They're gifts. They're not awards. They're not penalties. They're, they're gifts. Anybody like getting gifts? Anybody has their love language is gifts? Right? Give me a gift, man. Oh, yeah. Gifts. Jesus is a gift giver. It's, there are diversities of gifts and diversities of ministries, but the same Lord. There are diversities of activities, but the same God works in all. In other words, we all, have, we all have gifts. We all have abilities. The way that the gifts work out in our lives is different, but they're from the same place. The way that per people minister the gifts is different, but they're from the same place. 
Churches have a philosophy of ministry, if they even minister the gifts at all. <laughs> I mean, it's like, we, we, there's never been a generation in this country that has been more giftless than this church, than these churches. Our churches think that the skinny jeans, smoke machines, a tinkling message, and deep worship songs can take people across the goal line. You can't do it. You cannot do it. It's impossible. You gain a crowd, but you don't make disciples. You gain a crowd, but you don't make overcomers. They faint in the heat of the day. As soon as the trial comes, they faint. Or you wrap them up in so much that they're so concerned with the cares of this life that they can never produce fruit. It's true. Because we don't teach them the values of what Jesus actually values. He values the Spirit. If you're coming to School of Prophetic tonight, I'm going to ask you this question. If you go to a church that doesn't honor the gifts and doesn't honor the prophetic, why are you there? Why are you there? I mean, charismatic Christians, spirit-filled believers that go to churches that don't believe in the gifts. I'm sorry. What? You know? I like the fish tank. Okay. Well, I like the Holy Spirit a little bit more than I like the fish tank. I mean, it's crazy. We, we go for the tinkling atmosphere, itching ears, tickling. <laughs> Tickle me. Tickle me. If all I do for the next 20 years is tickle my grandson, I'm never going to develop him. It's true. He's going to be 30 years old. And he goes, that's your grandson? It's like, tickle me, Grampy. Tickle me. <laughs> that's what we do. <laughs> I like a good tickle. You know, it's all good. At the end of the day, it doesn't develop us. Same God who works in all. I'm going to break this down for you. This is important. I'm, hopefully i got enough time. Yeah, I do. I'm in. I'm doing it. We're going to do it. Yes. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the same spirit, to another knowledge, to another by the same spirit, to another faith by the same spirit, to another the gifts of healings by the same spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another the discerning of spirits, to another different types of tongues and the interpretation of tongues. But the same spirit is behind all of it. Jesus didn't stop the gifts. Who told you that? Right? Church believes that there are no more spiritual gifts. I'm like, all of them? Except the ones in Romans 12. You know those. Leadership, administration. Those, are, those, are, those gifts are still active. So Jesus has retracted all of the manifestation gifts. Jesus has retracted all of the gifts except the ones that are leadership or administration or helps. Right? The ones that we're safe with. The ones we feel secure with, those are the ones the church sings kumbaya around. Either he took them all or he didn't take any. He didn't take any, ladies and gentlemen. They're alive and his spirit and his power is alive and well. And he is not waiting. We're not waiting on him. He's waiting on us. Waiting on the Lord. Stop waiting. Activate the power that is yours by inheritance. You don't need to wait. Who told you you needed to wait? Jesus isn't telling you to wait. Well, I got to tarry until I receive power. When you receive the Jesus, you receive power. And I'm going to show it to you. The first thing I want to do is I want to break down this ideology. If you are gift-based and you are charismatic, then what we teach in the churches is something that the Bible is not teaching. And how do you know that? Because it's not in the original language. The way this is interpreted, it says, well, Mickey has the gift of faith. 
Alex, he has the gift of healing. You know, Aurora, she has the gift of prophecy. As if the Holy Spirit is parsing it out, distinguishing himself. That's not the language that doesn't exist in the original text. And I'll show it to you. So the gifts, their endowments, their dowry, it means transference of possession. That's one of the wings that it means. It's a dowry given to you. It's a transference of possession. The Holy Spirit possesses these things and he gives them to you. The word gifts is the Greek word charismata. means grace in motion, spiritual power moving in love. Right? Spiritual power moving in love. All of the gifts manifest in and through love. So if you don't know how to center yourself and let the love of God flow in you, your ability to manifest the gifts is going to be completely inhibited. It all begins in love. Begins in love. Seeing as he sees, hearing as he hears, and feeling as he feels. Perception is love. All of the gifts move through love. That's why a lot of Christians can't move in the gifts of the Spirit because they don't understand the base concept of agapeo. They don't believe that they are loved, right? They don't believe that they are accepted. They have value and worth issues, so they cannot receive the fullness of the love of God. Oh, they're saved, but they don't know how to just let, let his love flow in their lives. And if you can't let his love flow in your life, you're going to have a difficult time letting his love flow through your life, which is the manifestation of the spiritual gifts. Different types of gifts. I talked about that. I want to get to this other point. Gifts are given for the profit of all. This is important. Why do we have gifts? So that everybody can benefit. Gift of encouragement. Let's just use a safe one. Gift of exhortation. Right? That's not given for me. That's given for you. So that I can encourage you and exhort you. So that you can encourage and exhort them. That comes from the Spirit of God. Right? So these gifts are given for the profit of all. The, the, the position of pastor, apostle, prophet, evangelist, and teacher is a gift to the church. It's not given for the benefit of the individual. You have to understand that the gifts are not given for you as a benefit to you. The only one that is is tongues. Tongues is the one when you pray in tongues, you edify yourself. That's the only gift that's given to, for the sole purpose of you. I'm not saying you can't use the gifts in your own life. That's not what I'm saying. But the purpose of the gift is ministry. Do you see how we're supposed to impact the world? We're supposed to impact each other's lives with spirit and power. We're supposed to impact the world around us with spirit and power. So we need to know spirit and power. We need to have a clue about this stuff. We need to have an understanding about this stuff because it's what the Lord wants. So when you understand that the gifts are not for me, the gifts are for you, right? To serve each other. Koinonia. Power in the church. Unlike any other place in the world. There should never be a need. There should never be a direction. There should never be without a loss within the, within the body of Christ. Because God has empowered us to minister one to the other. And he's given it to us with spiritual gifts. Healing should be echoing through our churches. Because healing is the, is the children's bread. Hmm? There ain't nobody sick in Elevate. Or if you are sick, you're going to recover real quick. We're going to lay hands on you and the sick will recover. Right? These things should be happening within our churches. We should have divine revelation, encounter, understanding. You know, wisdom should be pouring through our court, through the house of the Lord. Nobody should be depressed. Why so downcast? What are you depressed about? Come and worship Come and sing some songs. You need a prophetic word. We're going to give you a prophetic word. You need a word of exhortation. We're going to exhort you. 
We're going to pump you up. There should never be a depressed believer. It shouldn't exist. We should be so active in ministering one to the other. If you're down, we're going to pick you up. One falls, another picks him up. Woe to the one who is alone when they fall. We need each other, and we're empowered to serve and give into one another's lives. So the gifts are for each other, for the profit of all. The gifts are your inheritance. They're not awards. Oh, all day on that. Given the, the gifts are given to magnify Jesus, not individuals. Right? They lay hands on the sick. They recover. It's not the... Oh, he's got a healing hand, everybody. He's got a healing hand. Nah. Uh-uh. Every son and daughter can manifest healing. Every one of you. Every single one of you. We are a kingdom of priests. Right? We are kingdom. We can lay hands on the sick and they will recover. You have the power in you. You don't know what you're doing with it. You don't know how to use it. That's okay. Jesus isn't looking at you and going, well, pff, as soon as you figure this out, he's not expecting you to figure it out. He's taking things from his world and putting it in your lap. And you're like, what, what do I do with this? Isn't that the question? Yeah, yeah. You partner with the Holy Spirit, right? Our biggest problem is when we try to figure it out on our own. That's our biggest problem. That's when it gets all weird. Well, I think it's like this. And I think, well, I don't care what you think. What does the Lord say? How, what does he say? How do we work this out in concert and partnership with him? It doesn't matter. This is how these, all these crazy doctrines are formed. is because a group of guys come together in some synopsis and try to say, well, what does the gift of tongues really mean? Well, the Bible tells us. Or how are we going to do this? You know, like, like what, Holy Spirit, what do you want to do with this? What do you want to do? That's, that's the question, right? So they're given for the profit of all for an advancement and a benefit so that we would all advance and be benefited so that Jesus would be glorified. To one is given, okay? So in the Greek, it never says to one is given. It doesn't say to Ingrid it is given, to Alex it is given, you have faith, oh, let's see, hmm, Jody, hmm, prophecy, hmm, let's see. Well, now you don't get anything, hmm, uh, faith over here, that's how we treat the Holy Spirit. That's not what the scripture is saying. It says, for the affirmation of the Spirit, it is given. To affirm the Spirit's presence upon the life of the believer, these things are given. That's what it's saying. To affirm that you are owned by Jesus himself, these things are given. For the affirmation of the Spirit, it is given. It's not to one. It doesn't say that. To another. It means a distinction. So for the affirmation of the Spirit, it is given a word of wisdom. And another would be a word of knowledge. That's how it reads. Another thing, so for the affirmation of the Spirit, I'm going to pick on you, Ingrid. For the affirmation of the Spirit on Ingrid's life, it is given a word of knowledge. For the affirmation of the Spirit on Ingrid's life, it is given a word of wisdom. Another will be a word of wisdom. For the affirmation upon Ingrid's life will be, another will be healings. Another will be prophecy. Another will be, it's not to one, to one, to one, to one, to one. It does not say that. And you're like, why is that interpreted that way? Because these guys have no framework. They're trying to take this knowledge and bring it into English. And that was basically the best that they could do. There's so many things. If you go back to the koine and you go back to the root and you go back to the understanding, you'll see it's there. And that makes sense, right? Because we all struggle. We're like, what do you think my spiritual gifts are? I'm like, all of them. All of them. Is Jesus a God of measure or is he a God of fullness? 
No, let's say it. it. Let's answer this question. Is Jesus a God of measure or is he a God of fullness? Fullness. Fullness. You are made as a vessel of the Holy Spirit. He just said there's diversities of gifts, but there's the same. But di- di- so there's a many different gifts, but there's different manifestations. So again, if Ingrid's going to give a word of wisdom, she may do it entirely differently than the way I do it. But it's the same gift. It's just diversified through her. She does it this way. She does it this way. They do it this way. Other people do it this way. There's no distinction. If your theology says that, and I was taught this long ago. My church didn't teach it, but the Bible school I went to did. And they're wrong. They're wrong. Sorry, one of us is wrong, and it's not Jesus. One of us is wrong, and it's not the Holy Spirit. (gasps) Are you offending the great ecclesiastical Bible college? Oh, no! Don't offend the great ecclesiastical Bible college. Don't offend the teachings of the denomination that we've had for a hundred years. Don't you dare offend it by the traditions of your fathers. You make the word of God of no effect. Through the traditions of men, you neuter the power of God among the people. If this was true, we'd see way more of it. Step into fullness and it's there. You're going to see it's there. You're going to go, whoa. I guess I have the gift of prophecy. Yeah, you got prophecy. Whew, I laid hands. That person got said, oh, yeah, yeah, oh, I got the gift of healing. Yeah, you got that one too. Yeah, keep going. Keep going. Keep going. You got them all. You got them all. So I don't believe that. Well, I can't help you. <laughs> I can't help you. According to your faith, so be it on you. This is what the scripture's saying. God is a God of measure. Not a God of measure. He's a God of fullness. To another, day. Another will be, another will be, another will be, another will be. For the affirmation of the Spirit, this will be, and this will be, and this will be, and this will be, and this will be. Why? To affirm the power of the kingdom on your life. Huh? Isn't that crazy? And what's the world knows, the world will know us by what? The way we what? Love? One other, right? You guys know that one, right? Right? Anybody? Right? You guys know that one. So the world will know that we are his disciples by the way we love one another. And what did I just tell you? How do the gifts manifest? Through love. You understand that? It's not this oozy-coozy feeling that we have for one another. It's a genuineness of love and care and compassion for one another. And it's a serving of one another out of selfless humility in the power of the Spirit. And the world will know that this group of people is unlike any other group of people on the planet, right? That's the point, because they can't do what we do. They can't manifest what we manifest. They can't love us at the levels that we can love at in the spirit. They can't. So we think it's just about Kool-Aid and cookies, right? We love each other. Oh, I just love you. I love you with the love of the Lord. That's how we are. I love you. With the love of the Lord. We hold hands. We do pistol grip. We hold everybody's hands up as we sing these anthems. (laughs) We can't do anything. We're effectiveless, powerless. Nobody's changed. I don't want to be in a church where people's lives aren't changed. It's not about rah-rah. It's about about reality. I love rah-rah. Rah, 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 I'm all in. Let's rah, rah. But I want a rah, rah victory. Huh? How long did they give you to live, Shirley? How long did that doctor give you to live? You said the doctor told you you weren't going to live very long, or the heart doctor? 
A month or two. How long, how long has it been? Yeah, see? Did Jesus tell her that? Right? Jesus didn't tell her that. He could tell you that, surely, but that's not what I'm saying to you. I got a whole other idea here. We need, this, is, this is what we rah-rah. We rah-rah the reality of our faith. Right? Right? People here has gotten serious upgrades in so many different areas of their lives. Different shifting. We rah-rah. That's what we rah-rah. We don't go rah-rah, promises, rah-rah, and nobody sees any. Right? Rah-rah, Jesus, but there's no change. Right? I'm all in on rah-rah, but let's rah-rah the reality. Let's not just rah-rah for rah-rah's sake. Right? But I like to be encouraged, Pastor. Then be encouraged. Be encouraged with the life and the hope that Christ brings. Be encouraged that what God does for one, he'll do for you. But I want testimony. I want testimony. <laughs> I'm not interested in anything but testimony and power. That is the heart. I've been down the roads of knowledge. I can dance that dance. I, 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 I get it. It's not the same. It's not the same. <laughs> Kingdom power is everything, man. And he gives it freely. He gives it freely. Freely. For the affirmation of the Spirit it is given. To affirm you. When you understand that the spiritual gifts are your affirmation of who you are, all in. You're not ordinary. Who told you that? To affirm the working of the Holy Spirit. This is his purpose. He distributes. Here's another one. This is another one. Well, the Lord distributes to each as he wills. Pastor, says it right there in the Bible. Holy Spirit's distributing as he wills. Tom, you've been good today. Here's a king of diamonds. Well, I don't know. This room's a little naughty. We're going to give you a two of clubs. He's distributing as he wills. Or as he's in the mood to distribute. It's not what it is. Hekastas. It means possessive. He distributes to those he possesses. Not who he wills. He distributes as he wills to whom he possesses. He's distributing to the ones that he owns. That's what it's meaning. Does it mean he's up there deciding, hmm, I don't know, Michael, I'm a little confused on this one. Let's see, what are we going to give Christopher over here? Hmm, I'm not really sure. Let's give him faith because he's going to need it. He just got married. Okay, Christopher, you got faith. Right? It's how we treat it. He gives you the whole package. Do you have the Spirit in fullness or in measure? Fullness. You have Him in fullness. And you learn. You learn. I came here this morning. I felt like God's, I'm like, he's like, I'm like what do you want to do? What do you want to do? He's like, well, you're teaching school the prophetic, so prophesy. I'm like, okay, I'll prophesy. I'm like, how many people can I do, Lord? I'm asking him this on the way here. He's like, you can get about three or four in. You can get about three or four in. And I'm like, okay, what do you want me to prophesy? He said, well, what do you want to prophesy? And I'm like, I want destiny. I want to speak destiny over people's lives. We can all get sons and daughters. That's beautiful. That's wonderful. But let's go higher. Let's go higher. You know why? He'll take you higher. Do you want to go there? That's the question. It's not where Jesus wants to go higher. It's whether you want to go higher. And whether you're willing to make the sacrifices that are necessary to go higher. Inheritance is free, requires activation. But destiny, ladies and gentlemen, is going to cost you you got to ante up. That's another story. He cost us. Those who are separated by his possession. 
It's an adjective. He distributes willingly to those that are separated as his own. That's what that verse is saying. The Holy Spirit distributes willingly to those he possesses as his own. Is that crazy? Yeah? Am I bending? Some of, you, some of you are like, wow, I've never heard this before. Some of you are like, well, that's not what I heard in Bible school. I didn't hear that. You know? It's like, that's what we end up with. And this is why we don't see power. I say, let's try it a different way, and let's see if we actually do see power. And when you do try it a different way, you do see power. It happens. It's an amazing thing. It's truly amazing. Our theologies, you know, we create theological frameworks that constrict us. We create theological frameworks that give us excuses. Well, I don't have the gift of faith, Pastor. Well, who told you that? Well, you know, the Holy Spirit distributes as he wills, and he just didn't will for me to have faith. Well, Romans says you have the measure of faith, right? John says you can have the faith of God. So where is it that you don't feel, well, I just don't believe that, you know, we're talking about the gifts now. We're now talking about that. So we create theological frameworks, and we create mentalities that keep us from the things that are, that, that are ours. You know what it's called? I'll give you a word for it. Ha <laughs> ha. Intellectual idolatry. We worship the idols of our mind. We worship the idols of our thinking. That's what we do. We create religious constructs. We create intellectual constructs, and those become the idol that we bow to. Jesus says this, but you bow over here. Well, that's not what my denomination says, or that's not what my theology says, or that's not what I think. And so this is what the Lord says, and you're bowing to an idol. Oh, I don't have idols. Oh, okay. Yeah, uh-huh. Right. Keep telling yourself that. We, that's what we do. Right? Jesus doesn't violate his word, but he violates your thinking. And we, that is a difficult thing for people. Because if he's violating my thinking, that means I'm not really in control. So long as I can maintain my religious thinking and my mental constructs, I'm in control of the situation. Yeah? Take the red pill, Neil. He's going to take you off the map. He's going to take you to a world you've never known. You can stay in your own little world. You can stay in your own little box. Not me. Not me. No way. No way. I will pray the Father and he will give you another help that he may abide with you. The spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive. Spiritual gifts are yours in fullness. They are the affirmation of the Spirit's presence on your life. What a beautiful gift. That's unbelievable. It's all about love, charismata, the movement of the Spirit. So the word for, the word for spiritual gifts is actually charismata, spiritual power moving in love. Ready? Here we go. So I want you to say this. When I receive Jesus, the Holy Spirit comes into me. And into me comes charisomai. Huh? So charisomai is the potential. So every believer that's in Christ has charisomai. Charisomai exists in the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit that abides within the believer. When the believer activates charisomai, charisomai becomes charismata. You understand? So every Christian has charisomai, but not every Christian is activating charismata. You see the difference? No? There's a world of difference. <laughs> I received Christ, I have charismai. I have the potential of the manifestation of the eternal kingdom within me. I have all power within me. I have all authority within me. I have the gifts and the promises of God Almighty. I have the active presence of the world that is to come living inside of me, but it, but it doesn't mean it's active. It doesn't mean it's active. Because you have to activate. 
You have to partner. Charisomai becomes charismata when you step in. Waiting on the Spirit, again, wrong answer. The Holy Spirit's come. He's abiding in you. He's habitation. He's not visitation. He's with you. Charisomai is in you. Begin to manifest, and you're going to see that charisomai becomes charismata. You can activate in healing anytime you want. You can activate in prophetic anytime you want. You can activate in wisdom anytime you want. You can activate in encouragement anytime you want. You can activate in leadership anytime you want. You can activate in wisdom anytime you want. Not only in your own life, you can give it to others. Ah, this is who we are. We're world changers. We're the salt of the earth and the light of the world. Who else can do this? Who else is even given the potential to do this? No one. The world cannot receive him, he just said. The, the Christians got him. So my question, is he charismai or is he charismata? Right? Is he the ever-flowing love? Is he, is he that? Charismai is the benefiting goodness that flows from the Holy Spirit. Love, favor, power. It denotes potential and substance. So charismai denotes or points to potential and substance. You receive the potential and you receive the substance of the Holy Spirit. Right? All the raw materials, all of the, all of the product of the kingdom abides within you in the person of Christ. Charismai. Charismata is when you actually do something with it. <laughs> you hold the potential to release favor and to cancel everything to the contrary. That's another thing. Is that crazy? That that word means you have the potential to bring something else and cancel something else. That's the power that's in us. The power to cancel something and affirm something else. It's just nuts. It's nuts. And we don't explore this. We don't lean into this. We don't partner with this. We don't kind of go down those lanes into these worlds. The necessity of power. Brother, when I came to you, I did not come to you with words and speech. Right? Ready? You guys want to rebuke? You know what the most common rebuke among the churches? Let me say this to the camera. You know what the most common rebuke among the churches in the New Testament was? When Paul's correcting them or when Jesus is correcting them, the most common rebuke was powerlessness. The most common rebuke was powerlessness. Ephesus was a word church that began as a power church and they became a word church. Jesus is rebuking them, telling them, your doctrine is straight you got all of your theological ducks in a row, but you're powerless. Repent and do the first works. Well, what was Ephesus' first works? Power. Kingdom. Go back to that. Corinth was corrected for powerlessness. Um, uh, Galatians were corrected for powerlessness. Paul spends chapter after chapter trying to convince the intellectual church at Rome that they needed power. Power. Not word and doctrine. Word and doctrine is important, but power is more important. Is <laughs> more important. More important than the word, pastor. The Holy Spirit is the testifier of the word. The letter kills, the spirit gives life. Yes, we are ministers of the new covenant. Not in word, but in power. There it is. We are ministers of the new covenant. All of us our ministers, we are servants, we are the ones who propel the new covenant forward, not in word, but in power. For the letter kills, the spirit gives life. It's word with power. It's both. You have to combine them both. But we don't lead with word. I'm not saying it, Paul's saying it. 
You know, it's not with word, it's with power. He's telling this church here, this church has surrendered itself. This is a powerful thing, man. This is powerful. This church has surrendered itself to cunning teachers, super apostles, Paul called them, guys who dressed better than him, guys who spoke better than him, guys who could put on a show a lot better than Paul could, but couldn't manifest power. Yeah, right there. The Corinthian church, he is rebuking them in two letters for the very same thing. The moral corruption that was being brought in by these teachers that were teaching them to, it's okay to have all of this worldliness, right? Look, worldliness exists. Sin exists. We're all broken. We're all trying to figure it out. We're all trying to work with Jesus. But there's an entirely different aspect of, of, of everybody struggling with their issues and the church advocating it, right? We don't, you know, when the church starts advocating, hey, this is okay. There's no problem. Go right ahead. That becomes the problem. It's not whether it exists. It's when the church takes a position. Then it comes into the position of Jezebel. That's the doctrine of Jezebel in the New Testament because the church was teaching licentious behavior to the people. The people have licentious behavior. Look, you're screwed up, right? You're broken. You're going to have bad days. Eh? You're going to cuss when you don't want to. And I get a witness. All the men go, I understand you, brother. I completely got you there. Ladies, you're going to freak out. You're going to get fearful on a bad day, right? You're going to have bad days. You're going to have issues in your life. That's not the, the issue is not the issue. That's not the issue. Paul's rebuking this church. He said, I didn't come to you in excellency of speech. I came to you declaring the testimony of God, for I determined nothing to know anything among you except Christ crucified. I was in weakness and fear and much trembling, and my speech and my pre preaching were not with persuasive words or human wisdom, but in the demonstration of the power and the Spirit. <laughs> he goes on to say, that if they cannot demonstrate power, why are you listening to them? What? <laughs> Let's teach that, right? And why is he saying such a thing? Why is he giving evidence of this? Because he's explaining to us that the, the testimony of the Holy Spirit is, for the, is the manifestation of the kingdom presence upon the life of the believer. And if your flipping leaders can't do it, then why are you listening to them? Because you are called to it. The church is called unto this, and we have leaders that can't do it. <laughs> it's going to get real quiet. <laughs> it's a great question. It's a great question. Why are you listening to the super apostle who can't manifest power? And better yet, why are you listening to the super apostle who, who only directs the power back to himself? It's not about themselves. My job is to teach you how to do it. That's why we run schools. We don't run schools because we just have some vain exercise. It's not Pastor Kevin's night of wild prophetic ministry. No, it's a school of the prophetic. <laughs> it's a school of inner healing. It's a school of deliverance. It's fire starters. We're equipping the saints to do the work of kingdom ministry. And these signs will follow those that believe. They will cast out demons in my name. We're supposed to do this, actually. It's actually something we're supposed to do. It's an emphatic imperative. It's actually a command. Cast out darkness, speak with tongues, take up serpents. In other words, don't be afraid of anything. If you drink anything deadly, it will by any means hurt you. You'll lay hands on the sick and they will recover. <laughs> this is what's supposed to happen. You know, what's crazy is during that early day, they would, they would poison people. That was the most common way they would kill you. They'd either stab you in an alley or they'd give you something to drink. You're drinking with the emperor. He'd be like, here you go, Carmen. And you'd be like, cheers. yeah, cheers. And you're like, hey, I don't know. 
they would poison you. It's common. That's why we think drinking, thinking deadly poison are like, that's what always the modern church's question is like, what, what were they drinking? You know, like bleach or something? No, the people were poisoning each other. That was how they would assassinate you. <laughs> With poison. A little hemlock. Can I have some hemlock tea, please? Sure, right over here, you know. Behold, I give you the authority to trample on serpents and, and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. Nothing by any means shall harm you. Kingdom power. Not human power, kingdom power. You're going to be weak in your flesh, but in the spirit, you're going to be invincible. That's what's beautiful. It's okay. Say it with me. It's okay, it's okay to be weak in my flesh because I'm powerful in the spirit. You're going to be weak. You're going to be weak. I fight my weakness all the time. Me and my weakness don't get along too well. Yeah, I got to go off and be my myself because he, Kevin and his weakness have to like, throw it down. Because I'm not living like this. I'm not saying I don't win. I win every fight. But I'm winning more than I'm losing. And I refuse to live a life of weakness. I refuse to live a life of cowardice. I don't care what the enemy throws at me. I don't care. And believe me, he throws the kitchen sink at me. He'd rip it off the wall and just throw it at me, you know. And I'm like, wax on. Wax off. <laughs> Judo chop. Whoa. You know, I'm like going into, you know. He'll throw everything at you. Doesn't matter what shows up, you show up. You show up. You got to make up your mind. I refuse to live in weakness, man. I refuse. I refuse to be a coward. I stand before my God. I stand before my king, and I will account. And a lot of things can be, I could be accused of, but I will not be a coward. You will not accuse me of that. You can say you're a fool. I'll probably say, yeah, you know, but I'm not, you're not going to call me coward. That will not exist. I don't care what I got to do. Me and cowardice are going to throw it down. It'll be an alley fight. So if you see me walking around, I got a rag on my head. Like, where's Kevin going? He's going to go out there and wrestle with his cowardice. I'm going to put a knife in my teeth, and I'm going to be like, bring it. Let's go. We wrestle not with flesh and blood. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifest to destroy the works of the devil, to destroy the power of sin and its lingering effects. This is kingdom power, Christian. This is what you have. Kingdom power, the lingering effects of depression, the lingering effects of fear, of hopelessness, of dis-ease, sickness, and poverty. This is what is to be eradicated from the life of the believer. This is to be eradicated. This is what we have. So anything that doesn't hold up to that standard, it's not of God. Poverty is not of God. So I'm going to root poverty out of my life one way or another. It's not of God. Disease is not of God. I'm going to root dis-ease out of my life one way or another. Depression is not of God. So I'm going to root depression out of my life one way or another. I don't care what it takes. I don't care what i got to change. I don't care what i got to do. It doesn't matter. I'm, it's not, I'm not, I'm not subju subjugating myself to such things. I will not live in fear. I will not live in hopelessness. I will not. I didn't say I didn't experience hopelessness. There's a difference between experiencing hopelessness and living in hopelessness. Is anybody with me? You can feel hopeless but you don't have to live in hopeless. You can feel afraid, but you don't have to live in a fear, right? There's a totally different thing. Life affects us and makes us feel hopeless, but that doesn't mean I'm living in hopelessness. Life affects me and causes me to get down. I suffer losses, and so do you, inevitable losses. And you get depressed. You don't feel like you want to do it anymore, right? Anybody with me? Yeah, you don't feel like you want to do anything anymore. You get down, but that doesn't mean I'm living in depression. That's different. Our theology must overcome our circumstances or our theology is wrong. 
Yeah, you've been given overcoming power, Christian. If, you're, if, you, if your theology and your, your relationship with the Holy Spirit cannot overcome the circumstances that you're facing, then there's something missing. And it's not with him, it's with you. Ouch. So the gifts are manifested. So the gifts, I'm going to close it right here, and then um, we're going to be done. Gifts fall into four categories. I'm going to talk a little bit more about it next week. They're motivational gifts, Romans 12, manifestational gifts, 1 Corinthians 12, ministerial gifts, 1 Corinthians 14, and leading ministerial gifts, which is Ephesus 4, Ephesians 4, Ephesus. So these are all the gifts. Jesus is doling out gifts, man. He's got lots of gifts. How do you get the gifts? How do you manifest the gifts? You have to desire them, ladies and gentlemen. Earnestly desire spiritual gifts. You have to desire them. You have to, it, what its meaning is a hunger. Say, I don't want any, I don't want this. If you don't want it, it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. But this is absolutely essential to your faith. It is absolutely essential. I'm telling you now, you will, you will face circumstances that human knowledge cannot overcome. You will face circumstances that human ability cannot overcome. You will face circumstances that only presence and power can overcome. And if you don't learn presence and power before you get there, you're not overcoming. You're not overcoming. You've got to learn it now. Exodus, all the people witnessed the thunderings and the lightnings. Jesus brings them out. I love it. So beautiful. Love it, love it, love it. Brings them out of, out of Egypt, crosses a river, brings them to a mountain and exposes them to power right off the rip. It's exactly what he does. Acts is the same thing. Right? They get born again. Christ is resurrected. He says, wait until you're exposed to power. Isn't that crazy? Both instances, in the old and in the new, the first thing the believer has after they come out of where they've been is the exposure to power. The people drew back. They said, don't, we don't want this. We don't want this. It says, the Lord has come to test you that you may fear, you may have reverence before him that you may not sin. This word test is the Hebrew word venture. The Lord has called you unto an adventure that you would learn to revere him. That's what he's saying. He's summoning them to something and they don't want it. He's calling them unto something and they don't want it. It's an invitation. He's inviting you into a deeper place. He's inviting you into an overcoming place. He's inviting you into power. We cannot be like the Old Testament saints that retreated from power. In the New Testament, they didn't. This is why a small group of people within a lifetime had preached the gospel to the known world. Why was that? Because they didn't retreat from the power. They leaned into it. You got me? They stood up and proclaimed it. These guys were drunk. These guys are out of their mind. These guys are out of their head. All kinds of crazy stuff. The book of Acts is basically the Christians embracing power. What's wild is God had to take the ignorant. It wasn't even the Jews embracing power. It was the Gentiles. Isn't that nuts? I think that the biggest embracing of power in the church or within the kingdom is from people who don't know because they're open to anything. As soon as you activate them, they're like, whoa, what's this? The religious Christian has to question everything. Well, this doesn't line up with my theology. This doesn't line up with, I don't know, 15 years in that church, and I never saw anything like, quite like this. Well, maybe why were you there so long? That's my question, if you never saw anything like that. He brings them into power. He said, I send the promise of my Father upon you. Wait into Jerusalem until you're there. You must desire power. If you don't want it, it's not common. You have to earnestly desire spiritual gifts. That's why we run classes, Christian. We run classes. If you've never been to our classes, you need to come to our classes. You say, I've been once. I didn't get anything out of it. Come again. You keep dipping in the water like Naaman until the leprosy's off you, until the issues of the flesh are no more. 
right? You keep coming and keep coming and keep coming and keep coming and keep coming until it's done. That's how it works. Amen? Amen. Well, we want to bless you guys. We want to take communion. So let me just bless those at home. We want to thank you so much for tuning in. We honor you in every way. May the Lord bless you. May the Lord keep you. And may the Lord cause his face to shine down upon you. And may the Lord be gracious to you in every way. And may he give you peace. God loves you. We love you. In Jesus' name. Amen. All right.